I cried out to the Fay to appear for me. It was my ill fortune that it was a goblin who answered. Molly Ringle, The Goblins of Bellwater. Violin Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. everybody welcome to violent vice i am john john and i'm audie hello and if you haven't already please hit subscribe give us five stars and leave a comment of any which you would like all that helps us out lets more people know about us lets us know how much you care yeah you could say something funny like what's your favorite fairy tale creature or What's your favorite type of dog? Both would be wonderful to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as the quote may suggest, I am here with my sister to talk about a fairly well-known creature and where they come from and the types they are. Goblins. Woo! Yeah. Now... Audi, not so much, but I like to play a game called Dungeons and Dragons, where there are many types of goblins. Whoa, and... whoa, wait! I mean, we played in high school a little bit, and I like. I mean, I would still like to play. I just <laughs> don't have the time to. That's the problem. Nobody has the time to. Yeah. But yeah, I, I probably know more about all of those books, races monsters spells all that stuff then i definitely should and it makes me feel happy but like most creatures in that game there are some real world influences on it so this is sort of my own personal gushing of these creepy critters called goblins can't wait to hear all about them oh yeah now i should tell you as I probably already elicited to in many ways, there are many types. Some may be familiar, some may not be. But it is mostly a European fey type creature. So scattered across the most foreboding mountains and deep in the darkest mines exist some of the most malicious, dangerous, and evil little creatures known to folklore. Just waiting for an opportunity to steal your most precious belongings. The goblin roams the earth in a variety of different shapes and statures and isn't exactly what you would call a human's best friend. Now, there are many ways to spell a goblin. Most people think of it as the typical one that everybody knows, G-O-B-L-I-N. But it's been in history for a long time and English has gotten revamped many, 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 many times. So... Other spellings you could do is G-O-B-B-E-L-I-N, G-O-B-B-L-I-N, G-O-B-L-Y-N, G-O-B-L-I-N-G, and G-O-B-E-L-I-N. So, Goblin, 
gobb, lin, goblin, gobling, and gobelin. Nice. It's like all the ways to say Granny O'Malley. <laughs> yeah, it is just. I I know. I saw that and instantly thought of that. I I had so much fun with that episode. I know I butchered it terribly, but <laughs> just. Oh, you just the sheer amount of tries and the variety of things. You had to get one of those right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, for most people, goblins are the same. They are a mischievous and usually very unpleasant, vengeful, and super greedy creature whose primary purpose is to cause trouble to humans. This is the most common type according to most European folklore, but there is a small population of certain goblins that are more on the kinder side or are a neutralist type temperament, I guess, where it's essentially like they'll help you but for a price and maybe it's just like well you didn't intend to help me but here's here's something for your trouble type kind of thing but regardless of the type all goblins are rumored to hold various kinds of special abilities often magical some goblins possess more fairy like powers and others more close to that of a hag which or like a warlock and some can be straight demonic only using magic to do harm and most people can associate like a troll like being to goblins since it's sort of a general term for a certain kind of ugly creature goblins would be small trolls would be big they're big warty and they're brutish and dumb troll they're small, conniving, and also super warty and green or something. Goblin. But, however, unlike trolls, who tend to reside under bridges and in forests, goblins typically make homes for themselves in mountains and caverns, just waiting for the opportunity to snatch highly valued items such as gold and jewelry. Now, exactly what... Uh, goblin looks like is hard to tell like if you lined them all up next to each other you wouldn't even think that they're related and that mostly depends on the origin of their locations for the most part in england they are human skin colored for that area so sort of a caucasian looking but very pointy features and very crooked and others can change their total color some of them may just look like tiny little people but what many people don't know is that there are technically 10 different types of goblin these types are often referred to as sub races and each sub race will typically have a distinct appearance set of abilities and whatnot that sort of correspond to those and for the most part they was more of just trying to categorize all of them as one particular origin so in a way of like thinking like baboons there are a lot of different looking baboons of a lot of different sizes but they're all baboons sort of thing now when most people think of a goblin what they're imagining is usually it's the type known as a 
trow or a kobold, which is also another similar type thing in Dungeons and Dragons. But trows have this ability to morph into human-like forms. However, they're usually very small with a very ugly appearance. And kobolds are more the stereotypical goblin with an appearance similar to, like, Dobby the house elf in Harry Potter. Not the case in Dungeons and Dragons, but yeah, I should point that out. I love Dobby the house elf. Yeah. We have a dog That's... named Dobby. I know, and he looks just like Dobby the house elf. Yeah. I always like when he says, or at least I always quote, Dobby, sir, Dobby the house elf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dad does that a whole lot. It's funny. Yeah. But. Sorry for the... No, no, I mean, no. it's Harry Potter. I have to interject. <laughs> well, you might hear a couple more Harry Potter names throughout this. So be warned, prepared, whatever. Cool deal. Now, part of these sub-races, the more malevolent types tend to be known as hobgoblins. And hobgoblins are known for their dark, shaggy hair and are most closely related to the mythical creatures known as brownies, which we will also talk about. They don't mean to cause harm and are widely known for their practical jokes. Hobgoblins also tend to have a better relationship with humans. Uh, the quote-unquote knocker is quite similar to the hobgoblin in both temperament and appearance. It makes its home in a mine and often befriends human mine workers so long as they stay on its good side. And these are all folklore-type creatures. The Fuka is also similar to the Hobgoblin in attitude, yet takes the form of a dark black horse. Another black yet very small subrace of Goblin is the Boogie. The Boogie is extremely difficult to kill due to its size and where the term Boogeyman comes from. Now, the friendliest goblin types are in category known as a hogboon. Some say that it doesn't even look or act like a goblin at all. Is that the same thing as a hobgoblin? Um, sort of. A hogboon is essentially where the hobgoblin is more trickery type things. Hogboon is more just like, I'm magic, I'm here, I'll help if you want. But they're both similar yet different. Like one's more willing to help and the other one will help as long as you're still on their good side. Got it. And a lot of them are shapeshifters in these folklores. I'm going to be essentially talking about the core most well-known ones. And these are essentially just categories per se, though the Hobgoblin is also its own particular sub-race, as well as a description of, of other sub-races that are similar to it. So, like a Goblin would be the sub-race of all that are small and pointy features. Hobgoblins are the bigger ones, and then Bugbears would be the giant fuzzy goblins essentially 
they get bigger and goblins are the most common and the smallest. But anyway, there is a Chinese one called a Tengu, which sometimes makes the appearance of like a dog-like demon, but also can take the for form of like a bird. And they are respected by Buddhists as a guardian spirit, despite their demonic nature. And a Greek mythology one of stories is called the Kalikantzaro. And it possesses a very long and lean appearance. And lastly, there's also a Kolksu, which is a type of goblin different from most others as it resides in the sea and resembles more of like a mermaid. And these are very specific, non-general, like essentially purely their own kind of characters. But like there's goblins everywhere, all over the place. And like I said, goblins is more of just a categorical term. Like if you saw a bird, if I said I saw a bird, could be any number of birds. Could be an eagle, could be a finch. It's a big, big, big variety of stuff. Now, the origins of goblins is thought to be originated in the 14th century are, are most prevalent in northwestern Europe, Scandinavia, and British Isles, as well as in the United States now. And the name goblin is said to derive from the old French spelling gobelin. However, it is also rumored to have German, Greek, and Latin roots with an overall negative connotation, where gobelinus was the name of a devil or demon haunting the country of Normandy. So goblins usually took the form as an antagonist in old tales of the Middle Ages. Now, there are many mythical creatures besides just the goblin that it seems to take a lot of its characteristics from. And it also might be the inspiration for some of these characters. Some of them would be elves, fairies, gremlins, ogres, trolls, and gnomes. And gnomes are similar to goblins in a variety of ways too so sort of like goblins are the evil ones gnomes are the good ones but they can still kind of cross into each other's territory so generally speaking goblins are bad gnomes are good but there could be terrible gnomes and good goblins so there's a lot of crossover it's really a general term now Some uh, categories that I've done a little more in-depth on that have particularly well-known stories is starting off with one that is essentially just a goblin with a certain fashion choice. This is called the Red Cap. It is a very malevolent and murderous goblin found in border folklore, and it is said to inhabited uh, ruined castles along the Anglo-Scottish border, especially those that were scenes of tyranny and wicked deeds. And the reason 
it is known to be called a red cap is because it would often soak its cap in the blood of its victims. That's dark. Giving it, yeah. See, it can be real bad. Really bad. Now, specifically, they're depicted as a short, thick-set old man with long, prominent teeth, skinny fingers armed with talons like an eagle, large, large eyes of a fiery red color, and grisly hair streaming down its shoulders, wearing iron boots and having a pike staff in his left hand, and the iconic red cap. When travelers take refuge in their lair, they fling large stones at the intruders. And if the red cap happens to kill them, he soaks his cap in their blood, giving it the crimson hue. He tends to be unaffected by human strength, but can be driven away by words of scripture or by the brandishing of a crucifix, which cause him to utter a dismal yell and vanish in flames leaving behind only a large tooth. Now, the most well-known, per se, red cap is the one that is at the castle of Lord William de Solis. And he is named Robin Redcap. And he is said to have wrought much harm and ruin in the lands of his master's dwelling, Hermitage Castle. Ultimately, when William de Soles was taken to the Nine Stain Rig, a stone circle near the castle, then wrapped in lead and boiled to death. In reality, William de Soles was imprisoned in Dumberton Castle and died there following his confessed complicity complicity in the conspiracy against Robert the Bruce in 1320. A lot of technical mumbo-jumbo, but this is sort of just where Robin Redcap came from. So, William de Soles was thought to have been killed in this ritualistic way, thus prompting this lore. And Sir Walter Scott, in his book, Minstrelsy of the Scottish Border records a ballad written by a guy named John Lydon entitled Lord Solace, in which Redcap has granted his master safety against weapons and lives in a chest secured by three strong padlocks. And Scott states that the Redcap is a class of spirits that haunts old castles and that Every ruined tower in the south of Scotland was supposed to have one of these spirits residing within. Robin Redcap should not be confused with the mischievous hobgoblin known as Robin Roundcap of East Yorkshire folklore. Unquote. Now, most of England has lots and lots of goblins. Lots of very precisely named and very specifically located type of goblins. But it kind of touched on the next one we were going to talk about, the hobgoblin. Now, a hobgoblin goblin is a spirit of the hearth, typically appearing in folklore, 
once considered helpful, but since the spread of Christianity has often been considered mischievous. And the character Puck in A Midsummer's Night Dream is categorized as a hobgoblin by Shakespeare. And I forget the name, but in the Spiderwick Chronicles, they have a hobgoblin at their house. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Yeah, there's... I don't think that was the one that was invisible helping him out in the Spiderwick Chronicles, right? I think it, that was a different one. No, it, it was the one that was helping them out, and then they pissed it off one time, and it turned ugly, and then they made friends with it again. Oh... It was really? like the house goblin. I forget what his name is, but I read those. Those are like my favorite books growing up, and I can't believe I forgot. I thought the hobgoblin was the, the dude that spit in their eyes so they could see it. I uh, yeah, like he helps them. Um, give me a second. I will look <laughs> into this. We have the internet. Hog squeal is the goblin at at the house. I'll try to find the other goblin like okay. creature that helped him. Okay, but yeah. It sounds like they would technically be a hobgoblin as as well. But um, I mixed it up. So the one in the house is a brownie, and then Hop Squeal was the one that spat in their eye and was the hobgoblin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. I thought that was the case. Yeah. But they are still essentially in the same category anyway. Yeah. So. Sorry yeah. for the interjection. Now... Hobgoblins are also considered to be small, hairy little men, but will vary in size just purely by definition. But the technical one is also small and have close relatives, uh, close relative genus, I guess, to the brownies, which we will be talking about next. But... They're often found within human dwellings doing odd jobs around the house while the family is sleeping. Such chores are typically small tasks like dusting and ironing. Often the only compensation necessary in return for these is food. So I think you're right based on what we have here with that. Now while brownies are typically more peaceful, hobgoblins are more fond of practical jokes. Now, they also have this ability to shapeshift, as seen in one of Puck's monologues in Midsummer, uh, A Midsummer's Night's Dream. That was a lot harder for me to say for some reason. Uh, Robin Goodfellow is perhaps the most mischievous and most infamous of all his kind, but many are less antagonizing, like other fey folk. Hobgoblins are easily annoyed. They can be mischievous, frightening, and even dangerous. Attempts to give them clothing will often banish them forever, like the house elves. Though whether they are offended by such gifts or are simply too proud to work in new clothes differs from teller to teller. Now, some more specific hobgoblins of folklore. There's one called Billy Blind. He's a very clever hobgoblin, or brownie, depending on the telling. Uh, Billy Blind helps humans in dramatic situations by offering valuable information and advice and stories. So sort of like somebody's down on their luck, Billy Blind will 
come up and ask them their troubles and then give them that epiphany speech. Next would be a certain hobgoblin named Blue Birches. There's a lot of alliteration in these goblin names. I should warn that now. It's the name of a shape-shifting hobgoblin who played harmless pranks in the home of a shoemaker and his family on the Blackdown Hills in Somerset. His usual form was that of an old man wearing baggy blue breeches. But he also took the form of a white horse, a black pig, and a wisp of blue smoke. The family took his presence in good stride, but some clergymen learned of his existence and banished him from the house. Next is the previously mentioned Robin Roundcap, not Robin Redcap, who haunted Spaldington Hall and Spaldington East Riding of Yorkshire and was a hearth spirit of the true hob. Robin Roundcap. He helped thresh the corn and performed other domestic chores, but when he was in the mood for mischief, he would mix the wheat and chaff again, kick over the milk pail, and extinguish fires. He is said to have been confined in a well for a stipulated number of years through the prayers of three clergymen. This well is known as Robin Roundcap's Well. Now... Don't get too excited about this one. There is one called Dobby. There is. Mm-hmm. But it's more specifically just the name of what they call hobgoblins in Lancashire and Yorkshire, according to certain folklorists, such as Elizabeth Mary Wright. Especially one that is a relentless prankster would be a Dobby. Not the Dobby, a Dobby. A Dobby. Mm-hmm. Much like the Bogart, a Dobby's pranks may become so troublesome that a family decides to move elsewhere, only to find that the Dobby has followed them. However, one Yorkshire Dobby, or Hob, lived in a cave and was noted for curing children of the whooping cough. Now, Dobbies could be just as industrious as other hobgoblins and brownies, which led to the expression, Master Dobbs has been helping you. Whenever a person has accomplished more work than was expected. And that is an English idiom type thing. So, yeah. There are many Dobbies, which are similar to Boggarts. Another Harry Potter reference of sorts. You're going to get your fill today, Audi. I'm so happy. <laughs> but since we keep mentioning it, let's move on to brownies. Now, most people will call them, as we see them, brownies. But to Scottish people, they may be called brunies. And again, this is what Thimbletack is in Spider-Rick Chronicles, not mm-hmm. Hawksquill. Yeah. They are also known as a brunade or... Grugach, which sounds nothing like brownie, but it's the Scottish Gaelic for it. And it is a household spirit from Scottish folklore that is said to come out at night while the owners of the house are asleep and perform various chores and farming tasks. The human owners of the house must leave a bowl of milk or cream or some other offering for the brownie, usually by the hearth. 
Brownies are described as easily offended and will leave their homes forever if they feel they have been insulted or in any way taken advantage of. Brownies are characteristically mischievous and are often said to punish or pull pranks on lazy servants, and if angered, they are sometimes said to turn into malicious boggarts. So, yeah, that sounds spot on for Hog Squeal. Thimble right? Tack. Thimble Tack. Dang it. I, I never read those books. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Hog Squeal is the Hobgoblin. Okay. Now, brownies originated as domestic tutelary spirits, very similar to the Lares of ancient Roman tradition, which were Rome's kind of like, somebody helped out. Des- descriptions of brownies vary regionally, like all goblins, but they are usually described as ugly, brown-skinned, and covered in hair. In the oldest stories, they are usually human-sized or even larger, in more recent times, they have come to be seen as small and wizened. They are often capable of turning invisible, and they sometimes appear in the shape of animals. They are always either naked or dressed in rags. And if a person attempts to present a brownie with clothing, or if a person attempts to baptize them, they will leave forever. Yeah, I think we might have touched on where J.K. Rowling got a lot of inspiration for some of her characters oh yeah i'm sorry again for nerding out i'm just having a great time here (laughs) i figured you'd like it and i mean it's essentially new year new topics let's start on a happy one for my sake (laughs) (laughs) yeah because we ended on such a depressing one (laughs) yeah now here's something that you might enjoy adi there are American goblins, one called a Puckwudgie, which also is another Harry Potter reference. Yes, but I can't remember what a Puckwudgie was. Um, well, it is a human-like creature found in Delaware, typically, and of a Wampanoag, Wampanoag. I don't know how to pronounce that one. But that sort of folklore, and sometimes said to be two to three feet tall. Now, according to legend, Pukwudgies can appear and disappear at will, at will, lure people to their deaths, use magic, launch poison arrows, and create fire. Native Americans believe that Pukwudgies were once friendly to humans, but then turned against them and are best left alone. According to lore, a person who annoyed a Pukwudgie would be subject to nasty tricks by it, or subject to being followed by the Pukwudgie, who would cause trouble for them. They are known to kidnap people, push them off cliffs, attack their victims with short knives and spears, and use sand to blind their victims. Now, (laughs) there's a bit of an excerpt from an epic poem called The Song of Hiawatha by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, which after reading schoolcraft stories of Ojibwe folklore, he featured them in a chapter of this epic poem, The Death of Kwasind, which begins like this. So an excerpt from his poem mentioning Pukwudgies. 
Far and wide among the nations spread the name and fame of Kwasind. No man dared to strive with Kwasind. No man could compete with Kwasind. But the mischievous Pukwudgies, they the envious little people, they the fairies and the pygmies, plotted and conspired against him. So it's more of just the American name for goblins is Pukwudgies. Now, because you weren't sure, there is a little bit here about how Pukwudgies are in the Harry Potter universe. But you can find more on Pottermore.com, which I think is now a different site. But I think the world of Harry, Harry Potter. I think that's what it is now. Now, the Pukwudgie is native to America, a short, gray-faced, large-eared creature distantly related to the European goblin. Fiercely independent, tricky, and not over-fond of humankind, whether magical or mundane, it possesses its own powerful magic. Pukwudgies hunt with deadly poison arrows and enjoy playing tricks on humans. And a Pukwudgie is a symbol and a name of one of the houses in the Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, which is the American Hogwarts. So that's a Hogwarts house, but for the American one. So if you were going to wizardry school, Audie, in the Americas, you might be in the house Pugwudgie. It's such a fun thing to say. Oh, like Hufflepuff. It is. And you know what? I wouldn't mind to be a Pugwudgie. Means you're clever. Means you're cool. (laughs) Means you know how to have fun. Woo! Now, next is the Gremlins. Now, I'm pretty sure if I say gremlin, instantly you think of a Furby-looking creature that you shouldn't feed after midnight. That attacks your electronics and nothing can no longer work. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's that. But it is a folkloric creature that causes malfunctions in aircraft and other machinery, technically. And their depictions may vary, often just described or depicted as animals with spiky backs, large strange eyes, and small clawed frames that feature sharp teeth. And they've only been around since World War II, mostly as things that somehow sabotaged aircrafts for the RAF, or Royal Air Force, in the 1920s, as well as ever since there. Essentially, it wasn't coined as gremlins until World War II, but the traditions of something messing with little mischievous little things messing with the planes for the RAF have been around for a while. Usually at bases located in other countries. Now, there isn't a whole lot on there, but I can tell you who really popularized Gremlins. An author called Roald Dahl is credited with getting the Gremlins known outside the RAF. 
He would have been familiar with the myth, having carried out a military service in 80 squadrons of the RAF in the Middle East, and he had his own experience in an accidental crash landing in the Western Desert. However, it was in that time that he wrote his first children's novel, The Gremlins, in which gremlins were tiny men who lived on RAF fighters, and in the same novel, Dahl called the wives of gremlins Fifanellas, their male children widgets, and their female children flibbert to gibbets, which I had to include because that's also a candy in Harry Potter. Flipperty gibbets. I remember that. Yeah. What's so, your favorite Harry Potter candy? I would say Birdie Bot's every flavor beans, but that's just, that's essentially a Russian roulette with your mouth. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably try some pumpkin pasties. Nice. Mine are fizzing Woodsby's because they're chocolate with Pop Rocks in them. Right. You actually went to Hogwarts. I got engaged On vacation. There. I got proposed to. Well, I'll just be over here being jealous and moving on to our next subject. Yes. <laughs> I'm having fun, okay? This is me mm. having fun. <laughs> Good. Good. Hold on to that. Now, next. Next up are bugbears, which are the closest thing that comes goblins to trolls. So where that line may get a little bit blurry. Now they're legendary creatures that are types of hobgoblins comparable to boogeyman. Often called a bugaboo, babau, or cuckoo. Or cuckoo? Cuckooey. Yeah, C-U-C-U-Y, and other creatures of folklore, all of which were historically used in some cultures to frighten disobedient children. Now, its name is derived from the Middle English word bug, a frightening thing, or perhaps the old Welsh word bug, which is an evil spirit or goblin, or even the old Scots version of boggle which is also a word for goblin. And has cognates in German Boge or Bojlmann, which is also a name for goblin in German. And most probably also just the English Boogeyman and Bugaboo. Now in medieval England, uh, the bugbear was depicted as a creepy bear that lurked in the woods to scare children. It was described in this manner in The Bugbears, an, ad an adaptation with additions from Grazini's La Spiritata, which translates to The Possessed Woman. Now, in a modern context, the term bugbear also may mean pet peeve. Now, they're showing up all over in modern fantasy and other related type things where they're usually minor antagonists. They also appear as monsters described as large hairy goblinoids in the canon of Dungeons and Dragons. But I guess they're also in an episode of My Little Pony 
in an episode called Slice's Life, where it features a bugbear portrayed as a literal hybrid of a bear and a bee. So, they're showing up in weird ways everywhere. That's interesting. Yeah. So, this one doesn't even technically look like a goblin. Looks more like a bear. But it's all sort of derived for goblin. Who would think that bug could mean goblin? I didn't think that. And it was one of those weird things in the Dungeons and Dragons lore where it's just like, this looks like it couldn't be anything like this. Why is this included? Well, now I know. It's because of the name. Now, lastly, on our trip through goblin folklore and what you may hopefully find or avoid is a brog. Now, a brog or a brag is a mysterious shape-shifting goblin in the folklore of Northumbria, where it would be Northumberland and Durham. It often takes the form of a horse or a donkey. Now, it is fond of letting unsuspecting humans ride on its back before bucking them off into a pond or bush and running away laughing. Now, one notable example is the pick tree brag that was said to take other unusual forms, such as a calf with a white handkerchief around its neck, a naked headless man, and even four men holding a white sheet. A brag at Humblno was never seen but made hideous noises in the nights. Now, I had to include this mostly because it's just wild from start to finish. There, It's not even in like a specific group of them, but it's just like, this was so crazy I had to include it. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty cool. It also, I and I'm going on another side tangent here, it kind of reminds me of Midwesterners and say bag instead of bag. Or mm-hmm. however they say, bog. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's bag, like brag, <laughs> instead of brog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, most people that tame horses and stuff like that will call a stubborn horse just a brag or the brog. And it's just, it's essentially just a horse that will just keep bucking people off. Yeah. For no reason. Still, though. What makes what would make you think that a headless naked guy just standing around, oh, that's straight up a goblin, or just four men holding a white sheet? That could just be four guys holding a sheet. Why is that just one goblin? I feel like there's very interesting stories on how these came to be. Right? I really hope to find them. But you'll have to find out about that next time. Ooh. Hmm. That is all I have for just goblin folklore. Hopefully I'll have some goblin stories later. Ooh, I'm excited. I had a ton of fun today, if you could not tell. I think the each time I started looking up something different and saw more Harry Potter references, I'm just like, Audie's going to be on board. Oh, yeah. And oh, I hope yeah. you are too, dear listener. Impossible Harry Potter fan. Yes. 
Uh, so, Adi, do you want to take us out? Wait, 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 wait. Before we do that. Yeah. Which is your favorite? Oh, um, so I like the brownies. Be- mm-hmm. Just because they, I don't know, the stories that I've come across, I, I've read more about brownies than anything. And then the hobgoblins are pretty cool, too. I would probably say Pukwaji because it is so fun to say. Yep. And I don't know. It's American, so there's a chance of me seeing it if it's a real thing. Yeah. Which it, which it very likely is not. <laughs> but I'm still holding out. Yeah. Could show up. Be awesome. I won't take pictures because they're probably shy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. If you want, please leave a comment for which one you liked best or which one you'd possibly like to know more about. Adi, do you want to take us out? Yeah, I can do that. If you pronounce it Bragg or Brog, or you want to tell us what your favorite goblin is, you can do so by emailing us at violinvice at gmail.com. That's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a once-off donation at PayPal, you can do so at that same address. And then if you want to follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you can do so at violinvice. No ampersands, that's A-N-D. Or Instagram at Podcast. And if you guys want to go above and beyond, here's some bonus content. Maybe some bonus stories where John John scares me or bonus stories where I scare him for sure. You can do so at patreon.com backslash violinvice. That's www.patreon.com backslash V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E. You really going to call me out like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Five. it's so much fun telling you about black-eyed kids and You're a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. I am. But hey, I mean, this episode was great and I had fun with the Harry Potter episode or with the Harry Potter references. So, it was all right. <laughs> yeah, I hope you got your house elf fill in. I did. So, I really really cool. did. I like it. Yeah. So again, feel free to reach out if you guys have topic suggestions or if you just want to say this is my favorite or Adi is wrong. We don't pronounce the word bag like bag. It's pronounced bog or something like that. Um, But yeah, we love hearing from you guys and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Reback. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash violinvice or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.